0: Hello and welcome to episode 32 of 99 Problems But A Boss Ain't One, the show that tackles your freelance issues one episode at a time. I'm one of your co-hosts, Katie Carlisle, and I've been freelance since 2013, running my own Squarespace web design and training business. And I'm your other co-host, Michelle Pratt, and
1: I run a coaching and training business called Dive Deeper Development.
0: And in today's episode, we're going to be talking about what it takes to be freelance, So we've got 4.8 million freelancers in the UK now, according to Ipsy, who are the Association for Freelancers and Independent Workers. So it's a really fast growing, I suppose you'd call it a profession or career choice. So more and more people are considering it. But the other day, Michelle and I were chatting about what it actually takes to be freelance and how actually some of us have got friends who quite like the the kind of nine to five and everything it brings so it got us thinking what does it actually take to be freelance so Michelle what would you say are some of the key things that you'd need to be thinking about if you're considering going freelance or if you're wondering if it's for you yeah
1: because I think there's definitely a number of different qualities you need to be freelance so we're talking about what it takes and one of the questions I've got Katie is are freelancers born or made? So, what does it take? <laughs> and, and...
0: from nuclear power accidents.
1: Yeah, like I was kind of thinking about this the other day, and I'm trying to work out what was my origin story because something really interesting came up. Because we were saying, what does it take to be freelance? And, and you know, are, are some people just born with it? A uh, bit of a was it? Is it a Maybelline moment? Maybe it's Maybelline. <laughs> you know, or maybe she's maybe she's born with it. I may have got the wrong fashion brand. That I don't care. No, and. um Maybelline, or, or are these skills that are required? So, is it a set of circumstances or just a, a choices that people make that make them freelance? And I was trying to think, where do these qualities come from? And I was trying to like think, is there an origin origin story? Because we were chatting to Mark from uh, the Electric Code Company, and he was saying it's not unusual to have a freelancer and, and to hear someone being very successful, uh, only to find out they had like some tough childhood or something, you know, and 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 something some something that happened in their lives that taught them to be self sufficient and and to be independent. And he he, he thought that maybe you know that. that 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 kind of backstory, or I'm calling it a
0: superhero kind of origin story. Yeah, yeah. Freelancers the are basically superheroes, so I think that's appropriate.
1: Yeah, and is this where we get the qualities from? And can we point to that and go, yeah, that's that's where you get your metal as a as a freelancer? Or is it something you can pick up and learn? And then I was trying to think about my origin story. Like, what qualities do I have that make me able to freelance? And I was thinking, well, I didn't have a traumatic ty- childhood. But then I got started thinking about some of the adversity I've had. It's like, actually, some of that stuff probably does make me a good freelancer. So, yeah, a, a good origin story, I think. Uh, I don't know. What do you reckon? Do you reckon that's necessary, Katie? Or do you reckon you could just quit um, your job later in life? I don't know.
0: But I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if like you know, like like you say, I wouldn't be surprised if quite a lot of people who are freelance have had something in their lives, which has required them to sort of, yeah, you know, persist in the face of adversity or be very independent. You know, as I, I was, I was a kid, I had to be very independent. And so, you know, at, at the time, I kind of resented it, whereas, obviously now, you know, yes, I, I'd choose a maybe slightly different childhood. But actually, it's given me skills that have served me really well in freelancing, but I don't think it's necessarily something that on its own makes a good freelancer. So like I've been fiercely independent since I was like 10 years old. I've been doing my own cooking and my own laundry and everything since I was 10. And yeah, when I had the opportunity to go freelance when I was 21, 22, when I was doing my masters, I was doing translation, French to English translation, and sort of pretty much if you wanted to go into translation, you had to do it as a freelancer. It was very hard to get in-house agency jobs, especially if you didn't have any previous experience. And so what what a few of us on the course found is actually there was very little support on the course around the practicalities of going freelance. And so you were just kind of expected to figure it out if you wanted to do that as a career. And at the time I was terrified and I was like, no, I can't do it. I, I wouldn't have the faintest idea how to do freelancing. So I don't think that just having that independent streak was quite enough on its own. And it took me, you know, another 10 years before I even considered it again as a career choice. So I think it's something that... And, you know, I'm really impressed by people who are freelancing straight from school. Um, You know, there was a... um, We were at the Ipsy Awards a couple of weeks ago. And there was... um, Oh, no, was it at the... No, it was the... um, it was the National Freelancers Day, and there was somebody who'd won a Young Freelancer of the Year Award the previous year. And he was saying how when he was at school, they had one of these kind of young enterprise weeks that I sort—I vaguely remember us having something similar when we were at school. And they, got, they each got given like a nominal sum of money. I think it was, they each got given... Twenty-five pounds or fifty quid or something like that to to, to, to spend on doing something as a business. So There's a bit like a dragon's den type setup where you know they got given a little bit of money and then they had to go and do something with it in a kind of entrepreneurial fashion. And this and this guy who was like yeah, sort of I think it was fifteen or so um, when he was doing his GCSEs, he took the money and used it to basically set up his own IT consultancy company. So he kept then doing that throughout school, and I think possibly throughout university as well um I can't remember if he went to uni or not but then basically just literally hit the ground running and by the time he was you know (laughs) in his early 20s he's got tons of clients and, and a thriving business already and I think that's amazing for people who can recognize that in themselves earlier on and I think a big part of it is just having more awareness of it as a career choice and having more people talk about it and having more information so I think when I first had the opportunity to freelance in my early 20s, the internet was very much in its infancy. So it wasn't very easy to go and find out about people's stories. There weren't like amazing podcasts from awesome people like us to listen to. Um, And so it was, I think it's the independence, but I think there's something more as well. I don't know what you think, Michelle.
1: Yeah, there's a bit of circumstance Because I was thinking about this and I was like, well, I don't have an origin story. And I thought, actually, now, hang on a minute. I've always been fiercely independent also. Um, I've always felt very other. And I've always felt very very much on the outside. And actually, that made... I decided... I even remember how old I was when I decided that I could... I had to march the beat of my own drum. Like, I... I, using other people as my measure was never, ever going to work for me. And I was probably about seven or eight when I decided that. And actually, I was I was thinking about my career. I was like, there's nothing there to suggest that being freelance was for me, except for... Because I was a really good employee but actually looking back I was the kind of the driving one the creating one the innovator and actually maybe I was always a freelancer but I never really recognized it and like you say I think part of it is not so much having those qualities but recognizing those qualities within yourself and so as a as someone who's into personal development I don't know I have this as why well. I, I do a lot of coaching and training on strengths and I'm thinking does it, it do you just have this innate ability or can you learn it and I suspect there's probably a bit of both so I wonder if there's people who naturally have that as you say Katie naturally either encourage or just recognize it early doors but I would like to believe as a trainer and coach that it absolutely can be learned because I train and coach people in these skills individually or in businesses all the time and I think that you definitely can do it and I think I think there's a mindset that's needed, but I think um, it, it, maybe it's there. I think those skills have to be there and those qualities have to be there, but they can definitely be brought out. You can choose to bring them to the forefront.
0: And I think yeah, with that- I definitely we... think- Sorry, carry on. on. No, you carry on. Oh, no, you first. No, you hang up. No, you hang up. <laughs> um, no, I was just going to say that I think you're totally right. And I'm wondering if the difference is that if you've got that, I'm going to call it the freelance spirit- in you, it's gonna come out in one way or another. And I think that's something that perhaps you are born with or you develop at a very early age through circumstance or whatever. Um, Because I think like you, Michelle, I can, looking back, I can identify so many times where I've been really proactive and led something or created my own project or done something where I took charge or organized something. And I think that was the freelance spirit in me. I just didn't recognize it as such. So I think that even if you could have someone that has that same kind of freelance spirit in them who never goes freelance, but you'll see it come out in a lot of facets in their life. And they might do a voluntary project in the spare time. Uh, you know, they might, they might lead on a campaign for a local organization, or they might, they might kind of create something in their, in their work life where they're leading on that and they've got autonomy there. I think it will come out. And I think the difference is that anybody can, well, no, not anybody, anybody with the right, I think attitude and determination and self-awareness could probably be freelance. But I think they would also be just as happy in a, in a nine to five job. I think if you've got that freelance spirit, then you will thrive as a freelancer in terms of the mindset it takes. Yeah, I've definitely seen I've definitely seen people
1: like in in, in jobs where I, if they're in the right environment, as you say, that freelance spirit will, will come to the fore and thrive. And actually, if you can accommodate a person or create a role for that person, you'll keep them. And they'll be a great employee. But if you don't, they'll become a really destructive employee and really hard to manage, I think. Um, and, and, and so it depends, really. I suppose it's not, it's not really about whether you've got that. I think if you've got those skills, you've got that passion, you, you could be a very good employee and never go freelance if you can find or create the freedom to, to, to use those skills and be in your element within a, within a job role. It's not always possible, but you could do it.
0: Yeah, it's almost like a need that needs to be met. And if you can't get that met within your job or somewhere else in your life, then you'll seek it out through yeah, through, through freelancing or through creating some project, you know, it might be a side hustle. It doesn't have to be a full-time job, but I think there is something. So let's try and maybe unpick what that, what this kind of freelance spirit looks like yes. a little bit more. What, how, how would you identify, yeah, other than somebody who is maybe kind of leading on an independent project, what else would be, what else would constitute having that kind of freelance gene, spirits, I don't know. I think,
1: I think there's a few qualities but the good the good news is I mean we both say we think that you can learn these skills or le- I think a lot of it is choice I think a lot of it is mindset so I think there's a few things you probably need to be as a freelancer. I think one of the first things you need to be need to have is responsibility. So you've got to be comfortable being responsible for for everything. And and you are. we've talked about this before, but there's so many hats you are the janitor, you are the marketer, you are the uh, admin person, you are the, the, the you know the employer, you're you're everything um for that so you have to take responsibility for the for the whole lot uh, which is really important and that means you're going to work with ambiguity and i think a lot of people don't like working with ambiguity we are all um we all need a certain amount of certainty in our lives and of course with freelancing you you aren't guaranteed a fixed income in fact you're not guaranteed work at all so i think to be self-driven a self-starter and to be motivated by the prospect of winning work. Now, you don't have to be a salesperson, then you don't have to be a targets person, but you've got to have enough get up and go, I think, to recognise that if you don't act or if you don't go out there and find work, it's not gonna to come to you. And so I think that kind of self-reliance is, is one of the first few things I would say. Okay, I've got a massive list of things that I would I would choose, but I'd probably
0: choose the self-starter element first.
1: Yeah, um,
0: definitely. I think, I think that, especially at the beginning, and I think you know, I'm in in a in a fortunate position now that most of my work is through referrals. So work does come to me, but I have to do work to maintain that. You know, I have to keep delivering to a really high standard. I have to nurture my client relationships so that they want to refer me. So it's not like I'm just resting on my laurels in that sense. It's just a different form of marketing. And you actually wrote a newsletter about that, didn't you, Michelle? You said like, yeah. you know, it's some marketing isn't exa- isn't the obvious form of marketing as we know it. So like you say, you don't have to be a salesperson, but I think you have to have that proactivity and, and yeah, that, that self, self-reliance, I think, definitely. That's really so what clear. else have you got on your list?
1: I've got a whole bunch here. Some of these are mindset, some of these are skills. I'll go for some of the sort of the, the, the mindset. I think you need to see the bigger picture is another one that I had on there. And oh I think God. that you've got to have you be able to see the bottom line as well as the task. If you are someone who likes doing, so let's say you are an accountant and you uh, really take joy in the numbers and making it all stack up. And actually that's the thing that drives you Um, then you may not be a great freelancer if if that's the bit that keeps you happy but if you're equally if you're an accountant for example um or a programmer whatever but you see the bigger picture you're interested in the bottom line you're curious about um where the numbers go where the money comes from where it goes to the value that's created and i think this focus on value creation you know why are people paying for things that curiosity why are people paying for this service what do they want what does a good job look like how does what i do contribute and give value to those people and how do I make sure they get it I think there's a certain commerciality and, and I'm hesitant to use the word commerciality because people think it means that you've got to be some kind of business spelling out. yeah it's just understanding value chain other sort of wanky words like that it's it's these, these some of these terms that we hear but basically it's all about um, getting some pleasure from knowing what business you're in and I think if you, that is a core thing I think you, you need that for sure
0: and i guess yeah having having that kind of ability to zoom out a little bit more and see not only the impact you have but also i guess the strategy and again that that's a, a very corporate word to use and i'm probably like one of the least corporate people like ever i've never even been in that world but even i think strategy is important and you know we make time to have strategy sessions like with other freelancers to sit down and actually think about not just where our business is now, but looking backwards and going, okay, what's worked, what hasn't, but then looking forwards to go, okay, well, how is this going to carry on? How are we going to make sure that the money does keep coming in? Do we need to change? What are the opportunities? What are the risks and everything like that? So I think actually being able to see that higher level picture is definitely really important because I think if you're somebody who just enjoys, like you said, Michelle, if you're just someone that enjoys being given a brief and delivering the brief, but doesn't really care about how that work gets brought on board and what the impact that has, then that is some, someone that w- if you were to go freelance and you were in that position, I think you'd probably need to bring somebody else on board to handle that stuff if you're really not comfortable or interested in doing it. And yeah. the reality is, of course, like in everything, uh, freelancing too, there's bits of the job that are less exciting. And so there's some, some parts of it where even if you don't care about it, you still have to do it. It's you know it's not like oh you know if you do what you love you'll never work a day on your life yeah it's that's like, nonsense like <laughs> I know like I pr- I pretty much do love my job like I I did I literally tweeted about half an hour ago I got to like like send a- an email to a client saying oh no I'm about to make this like an explosive podcast we're gonna have to market as like not clean but I was I sent an email say to one of my clients saying um. I fucking love you, you nerdy French grammar punning person (laughs) or something to that effect because they've just done this like amazing French grammar pun that they knew that I would get because of my background in French and I was just like, yes, this is amazing, you've just made my life complete (laughs) and they responded, they were like, you've made my day with that comment and that's just like, yes, this is so cool and I think like actually like being able to develop relationships I think is another important part of being freelance
1: you've got to be people focused like I heard it said uh, that whatever business that you're in you're in the people business and again, I think that that's true, The people at the beginning and end of every every process. So if there's a service or a product being provided, there's a person, somewhere requesting it, and there's a person somewhere delivering it, and, and, and it's people at the end, beginning and end of it, every kind of business interaction. So like you say, you've got to be a people person. And I don't think you've got to be an extrovert necessarily. There's some fantastic introverts and sometimes they do very well. Um, by being a bit quieter, but not being shameless self-promoters. So I don't think it's about being an extrovert, but that ability, like you said, Katie, that ability to connect and form relationships, I think that is absolutely key.
0: Yeah, because I think that it's very rare, unless you're working for an agency as a freelancer, to then not have to go out and kind of... And even then, you have to have a good relationship with the agency that you're working with. And I suppose even in, in most jobs, you still have to have some level of social skills and be able to connect with people but i think in freelancing you know that that affects the bottom line of your business whereas perhaps in an employment situation it maybe affects your reviews and your ability to progress but it probably doesn't make you lose your job unless you're really offensive whereas as a freelancer you could lose work if you're not going out and cultivating relationships and, and kind of you know developing that network not necessarily by networking in the kind of cheesy like Business cards, like people in suits, business breakfasting sense. I mean, we talked in episode eleven about networking, so I won't go into it in too much detail here. But, um, but yeah, like creating and growing a network, I think is a skill.
1: Yeah, you and don't again, have to maybe go, I... go. You don't have to go to a event, do you? And work a room. We're not suggesting that. No, but even, no. Even, there's lots even, of ways the, of doing it. Even those relationships that you already have with existing customers, just being able to cultivate and manage those, that's every bit as valuable, uh, if not more so, in fact.
0: Yeah, and I think maybe one of the things actually I'm thinking as we're kind of going through this conversation is I think a lot of it is about the ability to recognise your own strengths and skills and limitations because I think you could still be freelance. Like I said, you just have to, if if you can recognise that you are not great at marketing yourself, you can take on somebody as, you know, even another freelancer. It doesn't have to be a staff member. You can get somebody to come and do marketing for you. If you recognize you're terrible at admin and you hate doing it, you can get a virtual assistant to come and help you with that. But if you don't recognise that you're lacking in those areas, then that's a problem. I think.
1: Yeah, definitely. You can't bury your head in the side. You do. You, Sand. You need to be self-aware. You need to be self-critical as well. So you've got to be open to recognising your your weaknesses as well, and recognising your strengths. And I think for that, you've got to be able to self-manage as well. So no one's going to tell you when you've done a good job most days. I mean, you, the, the the client or customer might when when they're happy with the output, but when you're doing the input and the work each day by day, no one's going to tell you that was a good job, that was a bad job, you should have worked longer, you should have taken a break. No one's going to tell you, you know, what you deserve, what you should put in, what you should, you know, how you should be behaving. That's all going to come from you. You've got to have that self-recognition and self-awareness in order to do it. And and that can take some practice. I think that does come with time, but there needs to be an element of that to begin with, I think.
0: And I think the other thing that we were talking about the other day as well is, and, and I don't know... We, we we were kind of saying we had slightly different approaches to this and we talked about it in episode 27 when we talked about mixing business with pleasure. But I think it's, I think one thing that is a question to ask yourself, not that there's a right or wrong answer, but it's, are you somebody that needs to switch off at the end of a business day in, in quotation marks? So say you, you know, especially if you've got kids or a partner or, or family that you see, who who work or who are in school, traditional kind of working and, and school hours. And so if you want to kind of be able to give them your full attention in the evenings and weekends, are you somebody that is able to switch off? So like Michelle, you and I were talking the other day and I was saying how actually I don't tend to switch off. Like, you know, I, I even when I'm not working, I could still be thinking about work and have an idea about work and, you know, driving along and go oh yeah actually here's a work work idea and I, and I try and keep I try and keep it separate in that I have a separate phone so that I can literally leave my work behind if I go somewhere but mentally I think I don't always switch off whereas you were saying you're quite good at that
1: yeah i could i could switch off no bother like I, I don't understand these people that say oh i just can't switch off it's like no nope, yep, yeah, sure no problem totally totally <laughs> fine works you know, to me <laughs> and so i'm quite i'm quite happy to uh to work weekends or evenings if i have to or if indeed i want to and sometimes like you say you're daydreaming and you do have ideas that come into your head and you think yeah i've so, oh, i've got a solution to that person's problem in which case i'd do it but if i need to or want to yeah i can switch off um I mean, and I so i that better than others i think
0: yeah I can I can relax you know put put me in front of the telly and I'll I'll watch tv and I won't just be like ignoring what's going on and thinking about work but I think I don't particularly try to stop thinking about work whereas you, I think
1: you, yeah you see so you make less of a distinction
0: between work and home life is for you, you yeah just have yeah life well, think, and it's filled I think with because all my stuff. partner's self-employed too I think yeah. it's, it's Uh, it's all it's all a massive blur these days so whereas my wife works a nine to five and she can't bring work home with her because she's a
1: chemist and she can't bring the chemicals home and the reactions home or the intellectual property home so she can't even do paperwork break
0: bad in your camper van break bad. yeah well
1: we haven't i mean maybe after brexit we'll we'll start making crystal meth in the in the uh, in the camper van but for now we're sticking with the traditional jobs and um, so therefore, she has those these evening weekends free. So that's the time we get to spend together. So for me, it is. But I think, like you say, Katie, knowing what you want from it and knowing your why and knowing where your boundaries are and whether that supports your life. Then I think that's a big decision to make about whether you would be you know, cut out for freelancing. Does it suit your lifestyle? And I don't think it's necessarily true that if you've got a partner and kids or whatever that you can't. Um, that you can't go freelance or that if you need a certain amount of money to live that you can't go freelance. I've seen plenty of people do it. Um, it's just, these are the things I suppose you need to to weigh up.
0: Yeah. And I think it's like, you know, if you, if you're quite happy to chat with your partner about work stuff in the evening, then there's no need to try and switch off. If you're able to kind of give people enough attention, but I think it's just a question to ask yourself, do I, do I have the ability to do that if needed? You know, it's, and so I think that's probably one of the questions. Um, and Michelle, what else have you got on your list? Got a massive list here. So I was
1: thinking, I've got we've covered a lot of them. I think the ability to learn from failure, and I think this is one because you hear a lot of freelancers and remote workers talk about um, emotional well-being or mental well-being, and how resilient you need to be. And I think for me, your your attitude towards failure i'm doing air quotes on a podcast again but I think <laughs> your attitude towards failure is really key because this was a big mindset shift for me so this is not something you'll necessarily start out with but i think in education and school if you get nine out of ten you get a well done for the nine but what's wrong with the what happened to that last one and you almost feel embarrassed or, or, or the, in the corporate world there's a lot of backside covering and i think that when you're self-employed um failure is feedback it, i mean it's a it's a cliche it's a self-improvement quote seen on many an instagram account but it's absolutely Absolutely true um, failure is is feedback that you can't really fail you either win or you learn and I think that the the most entrepreneurial people really do see have no shame in making mistakes they go out they give it a go if it doesn't quite work according to plan they learn from it they pick themselves up and they carry on and I think that mindset is massively massively different to being an employee where you're always trying to impress and perform and, and, and prove your employer you're worthwhile or that you're good at your job uh, if you're going to be self-employed or freelance, then you've got to be willing to put yourself out there and and fall fall on your fall on your fall on your backside, and and actually be quite happy about that.
0: Uh, and yeah, that's think, huge. Yeah, I think it's linked to that. I think it's maybe how comfortable you are with taking risks, um, as well. Because I think when when you're an employee, yeah, you're probably encouraged not unless you're you know in a very kind of innovative company where they do encourage you to do it. I think you probably the culture is all about minimizing risk and not trying to you know I, I guess maybe if you're working in the cor- in, a, in a big corporation or something then the risk could be much bigger if you mess up compared to if you're a freelancer but still like I think a lot of the time we're, we're taught like not to take too many risks but if you're a freelancer if you can take some risks that can really benefit you like I think you kind of have to be willing to do that a little bit more compared to when you're employed. And like you yeah. say, stick your head above the parapet a little bit more and try stuff. I mean, we talked all about failure in, it was actually one of our earliest episodes. It was episode six that we talked about, failure. Yeah. Um. And, and I think, you know, that, that was last year we did it. And for me, that was really interesting because I definitely have a thing about failure. And I, you know, at school, like I was, yeah, getting getting the top grades, you know, got all those A-levels and everything else. And so I was like, I wasn't really used to failing. And then when I, when it, when I, just, when I couldn't pass my driving test, I was like, what the fuck? What, yeah. what, what is this experience of, of not succeeding? This what? feels horrible. I don't understand. <laughs> but actually, it did me the world of good. <laughs> six times yeah. charm i drive real good um but but i think that was I, i'm actually so glad that happened because otherwise i worried that yeah i'd have, i mean i didn't i didn't do amazingly at uni i just kind of i sort of peaked at school academically and then at uni i just kind of did okay um but i think like that was my first kind of real experience of really properly like literally literally failing <laughs> like yeah. they, they write the words fail on your driving test it's, it's unambiguous
1: <laughs> into another really big quality for me and i think about this a lot and i'm going to do a separate video on this at some point or a blog on this one because one of the things i've learned being a freelancer is if to, to be really comfortable and happy in your freelancing i think one of the things you've got to do is you've got to be able to find your certainty in yourself so like i say we all need a certain amount of certainty and, and we've we've discussed this before is freedom and security they're two sides of the same coin and actually they look they, they look different to different people and i think that one of the things you've got to do is look you people get put off they get scared they go well how do I know I'm going to earn enough money to pay my mortgage or how do I know that anyone's going to hire me or how do I know that I'm going to be able to sell this product how do I know there's going to be success and when you are freelance there is absolutely no way you can know that for sure you can believe it a bit like you know I won't get too political like Boris Johnson you can believe just believe in 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 your your policies and it's going to be work out fine which as we know is probably not necessarily the case but
0: where you get that really saddens me because that was my approach to free Oh God, I'm like Boris Johnson, kill me now.
1: Oh no, I've insulted you. But but but, I think think belief is wonderful. So people say, well, just believe it, just have enough passion. And I do think that's a quality that you need. And I respect people who do things on blind belief. However, I also think in addition to that, um, you need something else. But I don't think you need all the answers, Katie. So here's why I might redeem myself. I think when you're self-employed, you find your certainty and that security in yourself. So this is about, look, I don't know if I'm going to, have enough money to pay my mortgage but I know that I will do whatever it takes to make sure the mortgage get paid and I don't know if people are going to buy my product but what I do know is I'm going to work hard and rehash it and tweak it until it's something that people want to buy and I don't know if people are going to hire me but I won't stop improving my skills and knocking on doors until I get that gig so that's the difference I think where you differ from Bojo Katie I think, I think you <laughs> well. had great faith in yourself and your skills and you know you and you knew that um, you didn't know how it's going to pay pan out but you knew what you were willing to put in and I think that's for me is the fundamental difference between a freelancer and an employed person you know an, it's an employed like... person waits for that to be given to you and, and these external factors to tell you what's going to happen whereas a freelancer will just look within and go I'm I, I don't know what it's going to look like but I know I'm going to work it out and I think that is a, a huge difference
0: yeah I think you make such a good point that it's, it's not just the belief it's belief plus appropriate action to make it happen yeah so, so it's almost like the freelance equation that's like like, belief plus action equals, you know, on your way to successful freelancing. I mean, there's so many different parts that contribute to it. But actually, I think they're two of the really big elements of it because, you, you know, yeah, I mean, like, it, you, we were talking earlier about having that kind of freelance spirit and that entrepreneurial drive. And the reason I went freelance was because I wanted to go freelance. And that was it. It wasn't like... Oh, I have this brilliant idea, like that I need to see out in the world or um, you know, like, okay, well, I've just been made redundant, so I'll take this money and I guess I could try freelancing. I was like, no, I, I want to be freelance and then I will figure out what I do as a freelancer after that. But I always had that belief because I knew like, yeah, I'm going to do something. I will find, I had various ideas of what to do and I was like, yeah, I will, I will take the appropriate action. To yeah, know, and that's and that's an interesting work.
1: Point. That's an interesting point of view as well because I think sometimes people, think, oh, when I have my big idea, or or when I know what I want to do, and I'm not saying take a blind leap. So you know, not like friends when Joey tells Rachel that she, you know, she needs the fear, so she just quits her job without having anything to go to. I think you but you don't have to have all the answers either and i think sometimes people think that you need to have a clear sense of mission about what you're going to do you need to have a clear product or service idea you need to have a niche now people keep giving we did we did this on another podcast episode we talked about um whether or not you needed to to niche right off the bat or whether you could work out as you go and i and then the advice avalanche was that. oh yeah that was, was episode
0: 15 yeah the advice a, a avalanche niching,
1: and niching is great advice but if you haven't got it on day one I don't think that that holds you back so I think you say that drive that passion that commitment to to certain things is really key but you don't have to have all the answers before you make the make the leap and I often think that if you're thinking of going self-employed or you're not sure if freelancing is for you if you're doing it at the moment I just think your passion for your why has to outweigh your fear so I was scared going self-employed but my commitment and my passion for for making my own choices and to 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 follow my own path was stronger than that fear and i think when you've got a passion and drive that outweighs the fears or concerns you have it doesn't matter if you haven't got the
0: answers that that's enough for you to get started and i think even if you don't have a passion that uh, as in for a specific subject area or a particular profession if you have a passion for being your own boss and trying to be yeah. entrepreneurial and and picking how marketing works and, and all that sort of thing, I think that is the the passion like um, as a podcast I listen to um, by uh, the minimalists they talk about minimalism surprisingly enough, um, but one of the things they always say is actually, in a lot of cases, follow your passion is terrible advice because not everybody has a passion it's like when I was doing my going back to when I say about my translation course. They always said, oh, yeah, if if you're going to be a successful translator, you need to have a specialism. You need to have a particular area that you focus on your translation. And like me and my friends in the course were like, but we're straight out of university where we studied the language that we are now learning to translate from where in our lives have we had the time to pick up a specialism and it's that vicious circle of like i don't have one so i can't have one (laughs) and i think what they always say about follow your passion is the reason they say it's bad advice is because not everyone has a passion but it's actually through through exploring and cultivating. It sounds a bit wanky but like exploring and cultivating passions is and actually putting the work into to kind of Getting really good at something can turn it into a passion. It's like you always don't know if it's your passion until you have tried doing it for long enough to know if you really love it. Yeah, um, I like so. That. I think I, some people just have a passion and know what it is, and in that case, yeah, that's great. You know that, and it's not that that will definitely get you money, but like, you know, like 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 um, obviously Michelle, you've got you've had that passion for personal development, and so that was a really logical thing to follow. I've always been a you know I've always been passionate about being a massive geek and helping technology, using technology to help people, especially people who often get overlooked and get missold technology, like a lot of charities and stuff get missold technology so much. And so I wanted to help them. So that was my passion. But like, I didn't know that I was going to end up being a web designer and trainer. Like, that wasn't my passion until I started doing it. And then I was like, oh my God, I love this. But I, didn't, I wouldn't have said I had a passion to follow in that really specific sense. So I think it yeah. can put people off. I think that's, that's one of the reasons why it's not always great advice. It's like, oh, well, in which case, I don't. if I don't have a passion, I can't be a freelancer. It's like, well, you can no. still learn. Yeah, you like can. our friend Katia, who left her job at the BBC, and she very deliberately said, right, I'm going to take a year to work out what I want to do. And now she's an Instagram trainer. But I think even when she left her job, it was probably about two years ago now, I don't think instagram trainer was a job that back then i mean it's barely a job now she really struggles you know, she does come and she, she comes she, I, I mean that in i mean that in a way in terms of it's not a recognized thing that people are aware of like she really struggles when people when she tells me what she does people are like what what's that so like it, it's not very recognized as a job um, of course, it's perfectly legitimate. Um, no, so I think- I'm thinking, I, I, I'm moving house, so I'm thinking, what does she tell the people
1: from the building insurance company when she just to the drop-down box for her job? But yeah, so there Yeah, go. consultant
0: probably, yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah, so, so, so it's not a thing. But I think I think you're right. I mean, for me, I just was determined to work with people that I want to work with doing work that I actually genuinely believe in and enjoy. And I didn't know what that looked like yet. So um, I think that commitment to, to something or a set of values or standards, I think that is absolutely key. And with that passion, I think, of course, we haven't mentioned persistence yet and I'm a kind of I've, if, if you follow my book blog or review business books and uh, review them once a month on my webpage page die deeper development.com I've been uh, looking at Napoleon Hill's classic think and grow rich and he talks about persistence and I do think you need that as a freelancer you, you can't be afraid to cause tensions and knock on doors and uh, stalk people a little bit we feel like we're stalking actually the clients and customers feel like we're just following up and being professional but sometimes we feel we've got to we've got to persist even and know things feel hard, or we get rejection, but I think persistence is key. The only thing that yeah. makes me slightly nervous and about saying nice that, ways Katie. No, it's the thing that makes us slightly nervous about that is there. Are, every, everyone wants to talk about persistence, and they tell stories of people that persisted, 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 and then they were successful. But then they don't tell the stories of people that persisted, 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 and still didn't get anywhere. So I don't want to be all like, "Oh, just persist, and you'll achieve your goal." But I do think it's important quality.
0: And I think we've all got the story of the person that persisted with us, and ended up irritating us and then I think we internalize that rather than maybe rather especially because a lot of the time it was probably because we were trying to be too nice and let them down gently and we weren't being clear enough that we actually were trying to say no and so in a lot of ways it's probably our fault but we internalize that and be like okay well I don't want to be like that person and annoy them so I think there's ways of persisting nicely as well you know just even saying like Okay, great. Is it okay if I follow up again in a couple of weeks? And you know, do you know what? If they say if they say yes, then and they don't mean it, that's their problem, not yours. You know, I think as long as you're, if they if they are giving you a clear message to say no, please stop. Then yeah, that's that's probably the point to stop. You know, you do hear people say, oh, you know, it's never a no; it's just a not yet. No, sometimes it's a no, and you should stop.
1: Sometimes it's a get lost. So yeah, yeah, but but you can't say that personally. You know, sometimes your service or your product isn't right, or sometimes it's not the right time in that case you're just going to come back a little bit later when the timing is right so i think there's a good balance to be struck and i'm, I'm looking at my list case we've gone through a lot of them if we miss some out it's okay because i'm sure our listeners will tell us some of their qualities but one that i really want to bring to the fore is um you need to be able to collaborate uh it's not all about competing but you also need to build a good network around you and i, I just want to throw that one in because i think sometimes when you're employed or when you're at school to a certain extent your colleagues or your fellow students they are chosen for you by the institution or by your circumstances when you are freelance you get to associate with whoever you want and I think that who you surround yourself with will very much determine your success so I think your ability uh, to pick the right people to choose good mentors to choose people who will support you but also challenge you and maintain proactively maintain those relationships you've got to surround yourself by your right crowd whether you call them a mastermind group or whatever you call them you've got to find proactively find your crowd and i think that as, as a freelancer the ability to do that is absolutely key you cannot just bury yourself away and do the job that you do best without ever lifting your head up and talking to
0: other people and i think yeah even if you're factor. an introvert you still need to reach out to other people yeah. And have that connection, it just might not be as frequent or you know you might have more control and make sure that you're keeping that time to get the energy from from you know from having that alone time and thinking time and reflecting time, but you still need like yeah people to to support you and for you to be able to reach out to There's a term I heard at National freelancers Day the other week um which is which kind of sounded a bit like a mastermind but for emotional support so it's called a cube um which I thought was quite nice so I think they said it was generally it's like six to eight people and it it, much like a mastermind where you kind of come together with a problem but it's normally a kind of more of a business focused problem this is this is more the emotional support and 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 I think one of the rules of it was you can only give advice if you yourself have been through that same problem and found it to help you which i thought was interesting but you know there's lots of informal ways of doing stuff like that as well so i think yeah i totally agree that without having those connections yeah i would really have struggled
1: and with with people as well i think you do need a bit of i know people's about a win-win mentality but i think you need a collaboration mindset as well and again i think in some workplaces there can be a lot of competition or a lot of employers motivate people by um By compete, setting up league tables or getting them to compete or even informally competing for jobs or promotion or sometimes for status and attention but i think when you're self-employed you've got to have a more of a collaboration mindset so sometimes when you set up a business people will say well who are your competitors or who are you competing against and i we've talked about this many times katie so we won't won't labor the point here but we've talked about actually you should be making friends with your air quotes competitors and actually your ability to collaborate and take you know take two and two and you know make five that actually, it's not just some cheesy motivational stuff. I think that mindset is is absolutely key. Otherwise, it's going to be a very stressful, lonely place. And I think that, that kind of always looking to collaborate and, and for the win-win with people is essential to being a, a freelancer as well.
0: Yeah. And I think just my final one to add to that, linked to the collaboration is actually the ability to spot opportunities and then act on them. Um, yes, and that kind of goes back to what we were saying at the very start of being sort of self-driven and self-motivated. But I think it's also that, that kind of, yeah, kind of identifying, okay. Yeah. That person could be a competitor or they could be somebody that has extra work for me and could pass it my way. And so it would make sense to talk to them. Um, yeah. so yeah, definitely.
1: Casey, if you got anything to add, because I had a massive list, and apart from self-organisation, we've gone through the big ones. But you, any any that I've missed, or any that you sort of wanted to add in?
0: No, I think we've covered most of the things that that kind of I was thinking of. I mean, obviously, you know, we're we're speaking from from our own experience, and you know, the, and those of people around us. So it'd be really interesting to hear if you're listening to this, what you think of the the kind of key qualities, or, or what what you know, what what do you think was the the thing that did kind of spark that desire to freelance or was it was there a desire to freelance you know is it something that you can look back and say like you were saying Michelle when you were seven or eight years old yeah I want to be independent in some capacity um yeah I'd be just really interested to hear everybody else's kind of origin stories as well um yeah I love that. Yeah. I think it's,
1: there's a whole movie franchise in here, which exactly. is really, it's really good. I'd also <laughs> like to know whether people think it is. Are some people just cut out for it, or so? Or is it something that you that you've made? And having discussed all those things, Katie, for me, a lot of these things we've described, they're just, for me, they're mindsets. So I think there's a certain amount of skill, you know, with people, and so on and so forth. But with the self organisation, the self awareness, with things like motivation, drive, learning from failure, these are mindsets, and to me, these are ch- choices and when you're employed and a lot of the, the mental load is done for you with, with with a lot of stuff, you probably don't consciously make those choices. You accept the work and environment you're given. If you're freelance, I think you probably have to make some of those choices. Now, some people have a natural yearning to just just control every aspect, I suppose. But I do. hopefully people listening to this aren't th- thinking if you want to go freelancer, that's unattainable because I think, yes, there's certain skills you need, but they can be learnt. But the mindset is key. And I think your mindset is something that's absolutely within your control. So are you cut out to be a a freelancer? Yes, if you value it enough and you really choose to be, I think.
0: Yeah, I think the only other thing I would say is that it's also, I think, important to be able to be honest with yourself if it isn't working. So I think, you know, if you're not sure, try it, but give yourself permission to stop and, and go back to the world of employment. I mean, we know a few people that have done that. They've, they've freelanced and for various different reasons, they've gone back into employment um, as, as a choice. And I think a lot of them have done it because they've recognized that actually, if they carried on trying to kind of, almost out of pride, you know, not wanting, again, and not wanting to fail or be seen as failing. Um, they've wanted to you know if they'd have let that kind of take over and carried on then their well-being would have suffered and they've actually kind of gone no do you know what i actually like the the you know, the security or the um, the the kind of comfort or the the amount of you know the amount of contact i get from people and and having colleagues and everything sometimes you'll try it and it isn't for you so i think it's just a, the, the other thing would be yeah if in order to be a good freelancer you have to be willing to accept if you aren't a good freelancer
1: yeah that's a, that's good and sometimes I think business people talk about business people like they're somehow a better breed of person than mere mortal employees and I don't think that's necessarily the case I mean goodness knows those people employ other people so they can't really believe that surely
0: no exactly <laughs> so yeah as usual we would love to hear what you have to say on the subject uh, were you born or were you made and you can get in touch with me Katie at the wheel exists on Twitter and now also on Instagram, which I'm trying to use a little bit more often after some coaching with Katya and uh, Michelle.
1: Yeah, you can get in touch with me at Dive Deep Dep, D-I-V-E, D-E-P, D-E-V-P on Twitter or Facebook, being a bit old school, keeping the Facebook in there. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: I do. And I use Instagram, but I don't are, really use
1: it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, and at some point we've said about we are going to create some kind of presence where we, where you can kind of link to us, and we might put some show notes and stuff. So if you'd find that useful, if you know, if you find kind of notes and links to what we talked about, um, and having everything in one place, let us know um, because then that will kind of give us a bit of a, a kick up the bum to actually get that done. But in the meantime, if you want to have all of our future episodes magically appearing on your devices just remember to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts and we will see you next time for 99 problems but a boss ain't one